I think one of the many things that I love about Bristol is that there's so many different events that take place and go on. There's always something going on in the heart of the city, whether it's something around the harbour side or Ashton Court. There's always something going on for the family or whatever. And one of the things that's coming up, and I just think is fab because it's not sold out and it's not become too commercial, is the Bristol International Kite Festival. Now, I caught up with the organiser, Avril Baker, who is such a busy woman. My goodness me, I don't know how she's managing to uh, keep all those plates spinning at the moment. The Kite Festival has been going 27 years. Back in the day, it started with a group of her and her student friends in a life before children, in a life before she'd even met her husband. And still today, it's going. It's a labour of love. She doesn't make a penny out of it, and she does it out of the goodness of her own heart because she just wants to see the kites uh, making a mark and flying the flag, quite literally, for Bristol. Well, 27 years later, she has two grown-up daughters who are now every bit involved with the festival as she is. So, she started by telling me how she came to fall in love with Bristol. I came to Bristol University to study architecture an awfully long time ago now, but it was just such a fantastic place to grow up and be a student. Um, I'm very lucky and it was just great. And although I've been to London and worked elsewhere, it's drawn me back again, as I think many people say. And didn't you even train alongside George Ferguson? Oh, no, not train alongside him. At the architecture school at the universities, uh, quite a lot of the leading architects in the city used to come in and work alongside students, give us crits and reviews. And George was one of the um, practising architects who gave time to the school and helped get us on our way. So from training as an architect to a kite festival, how the devil did you make the leap from one to the other? The kite festival came about because I had two very good friends who were kite flyers. So it was totally aside from my sort of professional side of things. Um, I didn't actually finish my architectural career because I I quite quickly got drawn into the heady world of public relations and went and worked in London Docklands and other places like that where I still sort of use my architectural skills. And even now I'm doing public consultation for planning applications. So it does all sort of fit together. But back to the kite festival, I had two friends and we did a display for the council and got paid a small amount and then we sat down afterwards and said hey you know Bristol's such a fantastic place to fly kites you've got Ashton Court and the Downs and it's not far down to the sea and we thought why don't we try putting a kite festival on with the money we don't from the council display and 26 years later I seem to still be running it. (laughs) Did you think it would you know literally take off like that? No, the first year was extraordinary. We got several thousand people up there. A lot of them were sort of friends or acquaintances, but the public did turn out. And it's just grown very steadily from then on in. But I think the most important thing about the Kite Festival is we've tried to keep that very strong sort of community, um, nice, chilled out feel to it. You know, we don't want it to be a very commercialised event. It's nice to go there with a family, whether it's with grandparents or small children, and it's not too pressured. You can sit down and watch the kites, take a picnic, or you can get completely involved in all the activities. And this is something that you run as a labour of love, isn't it? Sadly, yes. I'm still running it as a volunteer and a lot of the people who work alongside me, because it's not just myself, my poor family get dragged into it, Um, but some of the other people who help out are local kite flyers and we're all volunteers. Now, I'm guessing 27 years ago, Avril, you didn't have little ones or your children just a a spark in the eye then. How, How did it work out managing family life amongst all these many things? 
When I first started out, I didn't have children. I wasn't even married. Um, but in the sort of early years of the Kite Festival, children came along. My eldest is now 21 and my other daughter is 18. So they've grown up with the festival around them. The lovely side of it is that it's such a family-friendly event. We've got great friends who are kite flyers from all over the world and they've just grown up seeing great kite flyers and being involved in the event. The downside is trying to, as you say, juggle children and running a major event. And I've got vivid memory when my eldest daughter was about two and a half trying to do the commentary at the kite festival and of course she kept hearing mum's voice booming out over the PA and I ended up with her sort of slung around my neck trying to (laughs) fight me for the microphone which everyone thought was hilarious but um, no I think just because everyone's so supportive at the event the girls have just sort of got stuck in really and they just love it and now they're helping me organise it. I think with my first child I went back a week after I'd had her because I was self-employed running my own PR agency so it was easier really just to go back and keep work ticking over and you know I didn't really want to be out of things for six months because you you feel everything moves on and you might miss out on opportunities and you've built up work with clients etc but but it is hard juggling it and um, you know in a way you also miss out because there's all the other friends that you've made at antenatal who've all got six months to a year off to enjoy extra time with their children and you're trying to shoehorn it in at seven in the morning and half five in the afternoon um, when you're picking them up or dropping them off from childminders, nannies, preschool, all the rest of it. You know, I wouldn't do it any other way, but it is an extra challenge. I mean, if you had your time again, would you prefer to have had a Monday to Friday nine to five or were you quite happy in its own way to have had the quirks of running your own business? I think for my own way I work I'm very happy not doing nine till five I think the danger if you're self-employed is that you end up working seven days a week and sometimes you get up early in the morning or you work late at night and you would never do that in the same way if you were employed so I think you work jolly hard if you're self-employed but it suits me and it suits my lifestyle and I have been able to fit things around school parents evenings going to the odd assembly the Christmas concert things like that which I think it's very hard when you're employed and you've got two children perhaps one in one school and one in the other and you're asking your boss if that vital week before Christmas you can take two mornings off in the same week because their carol concerts are on different days so you know I think people are getting better at accommodating working parents but you still have to do the juggling. And do you think it's moulded your girls and the way in which they've grown up? I mean, they're both young adults now themselves. I think it's important for them that they understand the world of work. And certainly, they used because I was in public relations, they used to come along to various things I was doing when it was appropriate. And I think they really do appreciate um, what goes into the working day. So I'm proud that I've worked and that my children have that same work ethic. You know, they've always tried to get holiday jobs they've always been keen to get involved in things they don't think it just all arrives on a silver plate for them so I'm I'm pleased in that sense I think it's been good for them and so something even you know that's very weather dependent do you manage to do it come rain or shine I'm desperately holding on to a wooden table here in 26 years we've never had a complete washout we did look at dates quite carefully and often end of August beginning of September is you know better weather sometimes than August or July Um, We've had the odd rainy day. Kite flyers are very resilient and kites are a lot more um, 
weather friendly than hot air balloons we can fly kites in very light winds and then you can fly some of the more high performance kites in strong winds so we can usually put on a display of some sort or other the only time we can't fly is in a thunderstorm because that's not safe the other thing is that as well as the kites in the sky the kites themselves are beautiful when you look at some of them close to the artistry and craftsmanship of some of the sort of arty farty kites is lovely and we also have ground based um, air sculptures forests of banners um, a wind orchestra which is individual harps and pipes and hummers that are played by the wind so there's also lots happening on the ground as well as in the sky and did you set out to make a, a world record was that last year The last festival was in 2011 and we did try and set an official Guinness World Record with this enormous manta ray kite that's owned by the Alfazi family from Kuwait. Um, We managed to get the kite airborne but it was really gusty wind that day and unfortunately it got ripped in the process and they spent all night stitching it back together but the wind was equally gusty the next day so it flew but it didn't make the record. It has to fly for 20 minutes without touching the ground. Um, But this year we've got their other kite, which is still the official world record holder, which is um, a sort of three-dimensional Kuwaiti flag that fills up with air, a bit like a sort of huge pillow. Um, And that is the size of an Olympic swimming pool. And it's fantastic. It last flew in Bristol in 2007. And that will be weather-dependent, flying as the finale both days. So at what point does that stop becoming a kite and starts to become a hot air balloon or something like that I mean it sounds enormous it is enormous the definition of a kite is it has to be tethered so it doesn't um, you know leave its tether point and we have um, a large vehicle usually the estate tractor holding it down and we've got anchor vehicles on either side to um, give it stability but it is awesome absolutely incredible and when we flew it back in 2007 we actually partially deflated it and people were allowed to walk inside it so it was like a sort of a fantastic art installation but sadly there was a a terrible accident in north of england a few years later when a, a a large slide or inflatable came loose so under health and safety we can't let people do that anymore which is a real shame because it looked fantastic but it is a very impressive beast when it's flying now when i think of kites my memory is you know sort of growing up in the 80s with these stunt kites that you could never quite work i mean do you still feature those sort of kites for the mere humble kite flyer I think that's the nice thing about the kite festival is it's kites of all shapes and sizes so we make over a thousand little tiny kites for free with children and the look on their face even if it's made out of a plastic bag and two drinking straws children just love whirling around with something I think the technology and materials is what's really changed the face of kite design because in the past it used to be you know cotton and bamboo you know heavy materials whereas now you've got ripstop nylon like the balloon fabric which is light bright colors you've got carbon fiber all these clever materials which means that kites are much easier to fly Um, but but you're right you know kites aren't diamonds with bows on their tails anymore they can be 30 meter long inflatable teddy bears and you must be in the countdown mode now are you absolutely run ragged what's your typical day shaping up like Yes, the last few weeks of the Kite Festival is when everything has to come together. So as well as doing all the sort of health and safety and the site logistics, we're also trying to do the promotion, dealing with all the last minute requests for the kite flyers because we've got people coming from America, Kuwait, 
all over Europe and they all want to be treated as individuals. So I'm awful. I'm waking up at about four o'clock every morning, lying in bed, trying not to wake my husband up. But eventually I give in and I have to go upstairs on the computer and start work. So it is pretty full on at the moment. And I gather people are going to get a sneak peek of what's to come, aren't they, this weekend? Yes, we're taking part in the Make Sunday special weekend, which is Sunday down in the city centre. We'll be there in Baldwin Street with some of our beautiful display kites. Not flying them, I don't think, somehow. But if people want to come along, we're going to make some little workshop kites. And we've got a fantastic big Delta kite that's going to take part in the Festival of the Sea arena slot. And we're inviting the public to come along and decorate it with sea creatures, fish, octopus. We've got some stencils so children can come and draw on the kite. And if people want to go along, tell, tell us more. Give us the details, Avril. Um, the Kite Festival is held on the plateau at Ashton Court, so not down at the bowl by the Mansion House. We're up at the top. That's the Longwood Lane entrance. It's 31st of August, 1st of September. The flying programme runs from 11 till 5 each day, but we're up on site sort of earlier and later than that. And if it's a lovely evening, you know, people tend to stay in Ashton Court. It's not gated, so people can just wander in through Clifton Lodge. The suspension bridge stays fully open for our event. And it's a very chilled, relaxed atmosphere, perfect for children. We've got a new village green family area this year where we're going to have lots of things for children to do and a space where families can can find space to sit down and have a picnic and watch the kites next to a lot of the children's entertainment. Well, Avril, thank you so much for taking your time out of your busy schedule to meet up today. Thank you. And the best way for people to find out information is go on our website, www.kite.com hyphenfestival.org.uk and all the programme information is there. So there we have it, a brilliant catch-up there with Avril Baker as the countdown looms to the Bristol International Kite Festival. Really great woman and as I said, she clearly does it with the love of her own heart. Doesn't make a penny and uh, well, it's just fabulous. Do get yourself along and uh, do keep checking out Freelance Bristol Mum because very soon I will be sharing with you how you can make your own kite and you can even fly it there as well.